we we've been in this series on the ministry of Jesus. What was he about? Um, what did what did he do? What what did he teach? Um, and our anchor passage has been Matthew chapter four, which oddly I didn't include because I've been including it for twelve weeks or ten or whatever. But the gist of the verse in Matthew chapter four twenty three through twenty five is that Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages. He he went. He taught. Proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. He healed every disease and sickness, and he drove out um, demonic realm with a word, with his authority. And so, last week was all about the authority of Jesus. And here's just a few summary slides, and we'll get into uh, more of his authority. So, throughout Jesus's ministry, this is where we ended. I screenshotted last week. Jesus didn't operate in the power of his kingdom using his godness. In other words, using on his divine nature. But the Book of Acts shows us that God anointed Jesus, his son of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And what we see in Jesus is that it was God because God was with him that he was able to walk in the power and the authority of the kingdom of God throughout his ministry. In fact, it says in Philippians chapter two, it's uh, one of my friends is a Greek scholar in, in particular in the book of Philippians, and he told me it was the number one passage written about in the whole Bible as far as, far as scholarly letters, books, etc. Because it's such an important passage, he being in very nature God, he didn't consider himself equal with God. He didn't use his godness to his own advantage. It's this beautiful passage. But right there in Philippians 2.6, we see that Jesus, as the Son of God and the Son of Man, he never used his divine nature to his own advantage. He always, as the Son of Man, relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to do all that he did throughout his ministry so that you and I would know what to do. How many are thankful Jesus is the perfect model? Say that again. How many are thankful Jesus is the perfect model? He shows us how to relate to God and rely on the Holy Spirit for all things. And how many would say you've known what it is to rely on your own resources and to run out. How many have ever ran out of their own resources? The beauty of relying on God is his resources are vast and endless. Can I get an amen? And so my question is, if, again, all of last week's talk was about Jesus using, relying on the Holy Spirit and walking in the authority of God's power by just staying in moment-by-moment relationship with his Father. So the question is, where did Jesus get his power from? It's so interesting. We we are. We're so intrigued by power. We're so intrigued. How many have seen uh, all of the Marvel movies? Raise your, raise your hand. We're, we love. Okay, I got some kids' attention by saying the M word. My son, we went to uh, New Life's Fall Fest, and and he had like four of the Avenger outfits on at once. He was. He was just super Ethan because he, he couldn't pick, you know, Iron Man. Amer- We're obsessed with power. And, and usually what's amazing is a lot of these stories, they have origin stories. Where do they get their power from? Their, their superpower from. And so where did Jesus get his power from? It's sort of the answer is kind of a little bit obvious because of all the, this whole sermon series for 10 weeks. But it, it begs the question, how did he walk in what he walked in? Like when you get down to it and then how can I access that power? How can I walk in the manner that Jesus walked? And if you're like, Chad, that sounds a little intense. Like, I'm just trying to get by. Well, that's fine to just try to get by. But it just says in the Bible, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did in 1 John 2, 6. I didn't make that part up of the Bible. It's in there. 1 John 2, 6. 
In fact, it says in 1 John 4, 7 through 8, that what God really wants to do is to have his son live his life through us in love. Read it, 1 John 4, 7 through 9. It's amazing, this whole paragraph. And so when we ask, well, how did Jesus walk in what he walked in? Here's the thing. When we get to the end of the age and we look lock eyes with King Jesus, he's I guarantee you he's not going to be like, man, I really appreciated you admiring me and then sitting on the bench your whole life. No, I think he's going to be like, hey, like I did all that I did so that you could follow in my footsteps, so you could participate in my love, that you could walk in what I walked in. I did it not as the exception to the rule. I made the rule itself. That's why he says, follow me and I'll form you. That's why he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. That's why he says, as I've done, so you will do in greater. Read John 14, 10 through 14. And so I think Jesus is provoked as our intercessor. Hebrews 7, Romans 8. He's at the right hand of the father, interceding, contending, crying out for his people to walk in the fullness of what he purchased for us. If you agree, say amen. In other words, I would rather be guilty when he looks at me and no one else is around. And he says, son, you believe for too much on this, that side of eternity. I'd rather he say you believe for too much than he was like, bro, you left so much grace on the table. I had all that I had for you. You never even believed me for it. How many would rather be uh, uh, pegged for the latter or the former? Okay, I never know how to say that phrase. <laughs> former, not the latter. I'd rather Jesus be like, oh, you knucklehead, you took me too serious. Come on. Who would I want him to tell me that? Like, no, you believe for too much in the present age that was available by the power of the spirit. I'd rather him tell me that I'd rather go out swinging than with, you know, the bat on my shoulder. And I just pray all of us like in a, in a really kind of in a playful way would be like, man, I think maybe there's more to my Christianity. There's maybe more to my walk with Jesus that I'm currently walking in. Part of what I felt like the Lord showed me two weeks ago on a prayer run. I told Tristan this, so sorry, Tristan. But I was running, and I was like, oh, my gosh, because Paul always has triads. One of his number one triads is faith, hope, and love. Who's ever heard those three together or read it or went to Bed Bath & Beyond and saw the picture? <laughs> oh, I got you. I thought every time we gather, those three things should be happening. Number one, he's worthy of all trust, faith. So every time believers get together, we're supposed to, I, I would hope we're provoking, hey, trust him, look to him, rely on him. Put, put all your hope in him. I, I gave away number two. Trust him, put your faith in him, he's worthy of your trust. And then at the end of the day, number two, every time believers get together, we're honest about what we're facing, but we anchor each other in our eternal hope. That he who promises faithful, he will do it. He'll finish what he started. We don't ignore the storms or the tragedies or difficulties that swirl about us, but we remind ourselves that we have a hope that enter into the heavenly sanctuary, namely the person of Jesus. In resurrected, glorified form, he is the anchor of our eternal hope. That what he's currently experiencing at the right hand of the Father, you and I will experience for endless ages when he comes again. So faith, hope, and then love. We're meant to inspire sacrificial love-inspired service. Faith, hope, and love. Everyone say faith, hope, and love. And so my hope is that when we get together, we're provoked. We're not just inspired. We're provoked to take our next step. How many believe that Jesus has a next step for you this morning? So where did he get his power from? I mean, from God, from the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's your answer. Now you can check out. But I do have a few more slides. I'm saying that he got his power from his lifestyle that he cultivated in secret and in public settings. 
through the vehicle and through the channel, through the means of prayer. Now, prayer is one thing like sharing our faith that no believer feels good at. Who's ever felt like, I am not that good at praying? (laughs) Who's ever felt like, I am not very good at sharing my faith? Oddly, the two things that we will not do on the other side of eternity, namely heaven, we won't have to pray because he'll be there. We'll just be in and we won't get to share our faith because everyone there is going to be saved are the two things that usually the church feels defeated, they don't feel good, equipped, or they feel powerless. Can I get an amen? The two things that we can't do for eternity, but that we get to participate in now, prayer and evangelism, sharing our faith, are the two things that the enemy wants to just attack. You are a failure, you're not good at prayer, and man, you're not that consistent in showing and sharing your faith. And how many know he's a loser and a liar, and there is authority over his accusations? Come on, that's a good one right there. So in, in, in other words, I believe he got his power from because of who he was in relational reliance on, who he was hooked up to, who he was in communion, communion with. So I made this next slide. It's worth screenshotting. It's, these are the notes, I think, that are downloadable still on the QR code. So when did Jesus pray? If, if by prayer we just mean I, I have a one-liner, I'm, I like one-liners, this is helpful because I think it encompasses a lot. So by prayer, I mean cultivating the posture of relational enjoyment, how many know it's not, pr- I, I don't just pray to get things from God. I pray to be with God. Come on, somebody say amen. So for first, the first realm that prayer opens up is that I get to enjoy the relationship. It's just dialogue. It's communion. It's connection. It's conversation. And so when we talk about prayer, Jesus is not just telling his father his huge laundry list of things that he's got to do today. It's about communing and re- being in relationship with somebody. So two steps to prayer. Number one, responding to God's reach for relational enjoyment. Everyone say relational enjoyment. We sang it. I love, I didn't even tell Veronica this is what we were preaching on, but I love that reckless love line where there's nothing he won't do to come after us. He loves us. And the first thing he wants us to do when we think about prayer and discovering the source of power and the endless resources of heaven is the first thing he wants us to grow in is to begin to enjoy our relationship with God. If you and I are grumpy, grouchy, joyless followers of Christ who then try to go out and share our faith, do you think it's going to be compelling? You should repent, too, so you can be miserable. The reason, honestly, the reason most believers maybe aren't that compelling is, A, our prayer lives stink. We're too busy to have a relationship with God. And because of that, we don't feel like we have the authority to share our faith. And by the way, joy deficient Christians are Christians who don't know how to relate to God in prayer and who never share their faith. This is why John says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have looked at, which we have seen with their eyes, which our hands have touched. This we proclaim, say proclaim. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has, per- has appeared to us. Look at this next verse, verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also, say you also, so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make, key phrase, to make our joy complete. Joy deficient Christians are those who, because they're not very good at prayer, we feel discouraged. I don't, I don't, I'm too busy to have a relationship with God. Because of that, I don't feel courageous or confident to share my faith. And because I'm not sharing my faith, according to 1 John 1, 1 through 4, I have a joy deficiency. Do you see the cycle? 
If we can grow in prayer, and by that I mean responding to his reach. Everyone say responding to his reach. I'm never coming to God with it being my idea to cultivate friendship. I'm always only responding to the God who wants to have a relationship with me. Did you know that changes the game? He's reaching for us 24-7, 365, and setting our heart. When we turn, even a baby turn, everyone say the baby turn. Yeah, a baby turn moves his heart. They're looking to me. They're thinking about me. They're, I got goosebumps. They're, 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 oh, and I, I have four kids. We're done, okay? <laughs> I remember on all of them, when they got to the age where they could reciprocate or respond to love. Anyone remember that? Ooh, I start crying. And I am an imperfect dad who is moved more than accolades, platforms, applause, when my kids can now respond to love. Do you think infinitely more so God, his favorite thing is when we're learning to respond to his perpetual reach. How many think he's always reaching? He's always reaching. So prayer is responding to God's initiating reach for relational enjoyment. And then number two, empowered partnership. Everyone say empowered partnership. It's about relational enjoyment. Ah, And then out of that place, we're empowered to partner. Prayer, intercession, witness, doing good job on your job site. Relationship, partnership. Say it with me. Relationship, partnership. That's prayer. There's a billion ways to do it. Prayer, walking, silence, solitude, praying the scriptures, praying in the spirit, prayer, walking, praying in groups. Uh, the point is to do it, to respond to God's reach. Everyone say, I'm going to respond this week to God's reach. So how often did Jesus respond to God's reach? When he fit into his busy schedule, obviously. That's a lie. That was a lie. Strike that for the record. So this is just a spattering. I mean, I got a lot of bullet points here. So Jesus, it says that often he would get up early before it was like even light. He'd go out and talk to his dad. That's Mark 135. Very early in the morning. Personally, I'm a morning guy. It's my favorite. I would just challenge you. If you got anything from today, set your heart to seek and be with God with your Bible open, a pen and paper or your digital journal. I use my iPad. Just be with God. Number two, it says that often, everyone say often, often Luke 516, he would withdraw just to be with dad. Okay, hello. If Jesus taught his disciples to pray for daily bread, he probably did it every day. Everyone say every day. And then there were periods of time throughout Jesus' ministry, like Matthew 14 talks about, where Jesus would pray at night. If that's not big enough, Luke 6 says he prayed through the night. I kid you not. I can see funny enough that's Patty's birthday today. uh, I've done very few all-night prayer meetings. I'm not that godly, but there's probably going to be more that's coming in my future. Um, that, seriously, uh, anyway, different story, different sermon. But one night we did an all-night prayer meeting. We were, it was crazy. It was at the old Five Cities Vineyard Church just down the road off of Elm. It's currently every day's building. We prayed all night. And, you know, we're just dead tired, you know, and then you sleep all day the next day, so whatever. But it was amazing. But that week, listen, the, the power of God, that week I, w- I was on staff at New Life. I was preaching. And I, I just remember stepping into the pulpit out of a whole night of prayer. 
knowing God was going to minister and move. And I kid you not, for those that remember, I'm talking three, four, five rows deep across the whole New Life Sanctuary. People were responding with, with, with surrender repentance. People were marked that weekend. This is like 12, this is years ago. So my point is, Prayer works, okay, amen. Say amen if you agree. So before big decisions, like before he named the 12 apostles, Jesus had a bunch of disciples, but he needed to name 12. And so all night he's praying, talking to Abba, and it comes down from that mountain of prayer. He actually calls his disciples, the ones he chose, he called, he wanted to put his authority on them and to, to impart his kingdom ministry to. He spent all night praying. Oh, I love this next little bullet point. He also prayed for the faltering faith of disciples. Can you say amen to that? He says that Satan's asked to sift all of you, but Peter, I prayed for you so that when you return, strengthen your brothers. But it was Jesus saying, I'm, I prayed for you. I mean, guys, he knew that they were going to be denial, but he's still like, I'm going to talk to my father about what's about to go down. And then before the cross, remember, Jesus prayed in probably one of the most dramatic scenes in easily in human history in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Luke says he prayed like he sweat like drops of blood. And he's praying. Remember that? What, what was Jesus' prayer in the garden? One, two, three, go. Not my will, but yours be done. If there's any other way, Lord, if this is the, but nevertheless, not my, let, let this cup, but no, your will. Guys, he even prayed from the cross. Remember Luke chapter 22. Father, what? Hold this against them because they all blew it. No, what did he say from the cross? What did he say? This is not a trick question. Father, Holy cow, you and I are living on the other side of God answering the prayer of the crucified king. The, thank you. They forgive them. Even on the cross, he's a man of prayer. Are you kidding? Wow. And this is why he, listen, in Isaiah 53, verses 10, it was the Lord's will to crush him because he suffered, though he didn't live. But he, he, he was given a great portion and inheritance because he made intercession, which is that he prayed for sinners. So in other words, Jesus, you can't like you would have to erase his whole life if you erase prayer. He never stopped relationally relying and enjoying father, looking to Abba. This is all I could quote all of those verses in John that everyone always quotes. I never did what I didn't see him doing. I only said what I what I heard him say. I only went where he said to go. This wasn't like a cheeky one liner that Jesus used in a sermon. This was his lifestyle. He knew that if he took one step in autonomy, and his own, for his own glory, for his own thing, he then steps out of the authority and the anointing that he walked in for all eternity and all every step as a man. How many believe you and I can stay aligned? Next slide. Look at this. We can stay aligned and in agreement with Abba. Abba is just the Aramaic word for, for father. Everyone say Abba. It's fun to say Abba. Sometimes I use that word in prayer often. Abba, I love you. You're my father. I want to stay in agreement and alignment with you. So, Chad, I don't believe you. I don't believe you that that's where Jesus got his power from because he was a man of prayer. That's okay. You don't have to. But it's the one thing of all the Gospels, four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. One day Jesus was praying. Hello. I, I, didn't, I should have put that on my other slide. They had all the prayer. He was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, say it with me, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, literally read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's the one thing they're like, something something's up with his prayer life. How is he walking in what he's walking in? How is a man that was last week's sermon? Son of man he has such authority. 
But how can that, how is he walking in what he walk, teaches to pray like, like John taught his disciples? There's got to be something that's happening when you're often every day at night, through the night, often withdrawing, early in the morning. Jesus, everyone's looking for you. They interrupt his personal prayer time. <laughs> they're, they're all looking for you. It's time to go to the next town. Well, how do you know? I just prayed. His whole life, it's obnoxious. How many believe we can get better at prayer? Come on, we can do it. We can get better. Jeez. Look at this. So teach us to pray. And I said this last week, so I won't labor here. In the one time that the disciples, they were anointed in Mark 6 to go out, preach the gospel. You know, they preached the kingdom. They healed sick people. They drove out demons. And in Mark 9, Jesus is up on the mountain with three boys, Peter, James, and John. They come down. There's a religious argument. This dude who has a son who's demonized the disciples, the other nine, can't drive out the demon. They're like, oh, uh, bummer. We could do this three chapters ago. Why couldn't we do it with this one? And when they were behind closed doors, not in public, because, you know, Jesus always saves his secrets for behind closed doors. Jesus, after they'd gone indoors, his disciples were like, uh, hey, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we drive it out? He's like, this can only come out by prayer and fasting. So the one thing teaches to do pray. The one thing when we couldn't do what you have already given us grace to do, why couldn't we do it? Pray. <laughs> Woo. Okay, and it's the one thing Jesus said to always do, never give up. Let's read Luke 18, 1 together. One, two, three, go. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should, one more time, that they should. It's just, it's, the, the record is breathtaking. How did he walk in the power that he walked in? Because he never left relational reliance and enjoyment. And he, ne he always responded to empowered partnership. Chad, but he batted a 1,000. There's no way I can bat a 1,000. That's fine. Some of the best batters, hitters, and I'm not even a baseball guy, help me. Like the greatest hitters in history, what is it, like 35% of the time they hit the ball. Someone Google it. Hurry up. What's the highest, uh, what's it called, batting average? Go. I'm going to wait 10 seconds. Hurry up, Google. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google. They have to have a device in here somewhere. <laughs> highest batting average. Somebody's getting at someone with their phone. Highest batting average in history, MLB history. Somebody hurry. It's 1030. Lord Jesus. So the greatest batter in history, only 36% of the time is hitting the ball at the plate. So you may be like Jesus, but he was Jesus. Fully God, fully man. Touche. Okay. Holy God, fully man. But we've already been making the argument as a man, he showed us how to live, relying on the Father. But if the greatest batter, how many think you would you would you would love to hit it out of the park or hit the ball 36 percent of the time? How about I'm trying to raise faith in the room, break off heaviness in the name of Jesus. The point is, there's all of us can grow. Turn to your neighbor and say you can grow in this. We can grow in this. This is some of my favorite stuff. Listen, I've been following the Lord for 22 years. And this next insight is some of my favorite insight that I think I'm going to talk about hopefully till I'm 90. When you think about prayer, it's the only thing in the Bible we're commanded to do for all people in every situation without ceasing and with devotion. I mean, I want to do a whole book. It's my first, my first book. Hey, maybe someday. <laughs> for all people, I urge you, look at Paul, petitions and prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. Who's included in all people? especially in this season. Hello, for those in authority. Why? So that we can live peaceful, quiet, godly lives. 
Paul, this is a verse my son just had to do for Coastal Christian. We're to pray in every situation. Everyone say every situation. Paul says, without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And then we're to be devoted to it. The point is, Paul, the apostle, Jesus, the king of glory, knows we need help. But there's provision. It's called prayer. Growing in relationship. How many know they can grow? Come on, somebody. We can grow. We can grow. We are not too busy to cultivate a relationship with God. Don't believe the lie. And you're not too far gone. You're not some old dog that can't learn new tricks. Do not receive that. That's not the truth. Whether you're young in the faith, medium, old, seasoned, brand new rookie, you and I are all called to step into this place of prayer because God is on the other end of the line waiting for you to learn to enjoy him to respond and to receive his love and then to be empowered to participate in what he shows you to do next. For all people, in every situation, without ceasing, with devotion. I believe that because Jesus was this son of God, son of man, the authority he walked in flowed from that reservoir of relationship that he gave himself to morning, noon, and night. One of my favorite things to do is to, I, wait, I love to wake up early. I love to drink coffee and eat a Belvita. Come on, any other Belvita he's out there? Come on. Oh, oh, I see that hand. So I'm imparting strategy right now for your secret place time, if anyone's taking notes. No, he said he fasts and prays. Never mind. For those who fast, bless him. I'm kidding. I love you. Hey, what about fasting, bro? Pastor, pastor appreciation. <laughs> so one of my, my so just this is just my rhythm, my rhythm. Love to get up early, love to just open the word. I love to drink the coffee, eat the Belvita. I love to read until he speaks. Sometimes that's four chapters in the morning, ten chapters, or two verses. I wait for something to jump out of the page and then I stop. Everyone say stop. When he starts speaking, how many know what I mean by when he starts speaking? How many believe every verse in the Bible is God breathed? Second Corinthians 3, 16, 7. It's all useful for teaching, training, correcting, raising up the man of, and woman of God in righteousness so that the man of God and woman of God be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's all good. But how many believe each day the Lord wants to give his kiddos bread? And so when he speaks, I stop. I build a tent. I, I respond. I set a table. And I said, like, okay, Lord, talk to me about that. So how are, you know, start with five minutes. Please start with five minutes. My heart is so zealous. I've been praying for our church in an increased, intense way these last few weeks, especially that you and I would set our hearts to be God's seekers, period. First things first. Everyone say first things first. We need oil. Friends, if you don't know God or you're not cultivating friendship with the Lord, it, things are going to get tough in these days, weeks, months, years ahead. And you're going to need that oil. That's the only the oil only comes by cultivating relationship with the Lord. So I've been praying, Lord, help us become a, a church that seeks you personally and then corporately. And so I love I read till he speaks. And then I, OK, God, speak to me about it. And then I have fun with the Bible. I go forward. I go back. I go up. I go down. I'm like, OK, Lord, and you speaking this now, where did you say it to other people in the Bible? I love the Bible. And then I love to pray it. And then my wife usually wakes up and interrupts my quiet time. I'm totally kidding. Well, sometimes a little bit. Then, and then my kids wake up. 
And then the anointing of the Spirit leaves. I'm kidding. Not kidding again. And then, okay, I'm having fun, everybody. Trust me, I'm growing. I'm growing to see not distractions, but opportunities to go deeper and further. Amen. And so after all of that, I make my wife her coffee then I, and get the kids breakfast bars, and they, ha- they all have to have ice water. It's a must every living morning. And then after meeting with the Lord, this is a freebie. This is a goodie. Listen, if your prayer life is boring or stale or you're just like, I can't focus, squirrel, well, distraction, any squirrel people? No, everyone. One of my favorite things in the history of the world is after I do the secret place time, after then I get interrupted by everybody in my house. Kidding. Then I get to I go run. I run about five days a week. You don't have to run five days a week. You can go on three walks a week. I don't care. My favorite thing is after I read, I pray, I meet with the Lord, I go work it out. God, talk to me about this. How does this work for our church? How does this work for my family? How does this work for today? And that, that rhythm, it's not the secret sauce, but I'm just imparting what God's been doing in me to you. you listen, the Bible is clear. If you seek him with all your heart, you're going to find him. How many would say there's space in your heart to seek the Lord and to find him? Just raise your hand or just say amen. There's space. There is space. And so just as we close, oh, God, I don't have time to go through these last slides, but they're really good. Screenshot them. Prayer. Atonement. Jesus has paid it all so that you and I could be made one with him. How many are thankful for for Jesus? That It says in 1 Peter 3.18 that, the righteous for the unrighteous, laid, he laid down his life to bring me to God. Everyone say, to bring me to God. 1 Peter 3.18. Number two, how many believe that because of what Jesus has done, all of us, 24-7, 365, have access into God's very presence? Oh, I don't have time. Hebrews 10. Listen, Jesus has paid it all so we could be made one with him. Jesus, he, his body was torn so that we could be have access not only do we have access, we have acceptance. Oh, how many remember when, that, when God's grace showed you, when you believed the gospel, that you were accepted in God's love? How many remember that in their life? Oh, my goodness. Out of that, we can learn. We can bring all of our anxiety, all of our frets and fears and worries, and we can say, okay, God, help me over these next minutes to come into alignment. You are God. You are Lord. The government of God's kingdom is on the shoulders of Jesus And that's the only kingdom that will last and outlast them all. Every other king and every other kingdom will crack, crumble, fail, and fall. And every knee will bow before you. So help me to bring all of the mess of my world into alignment with your reality. How many believe that's almost the majority of prayer's work, if we're honest? (laughs) Everyone say, Lord, you're Lord. You're over this. You're over this. Then out of that adoration, God loves to be adored, don't get me wrong. Like, like I love as a fully on, full-on imperfect dad, when my kids say they love me, it moves me, even if they're trying to get something from me. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Okay. Out of that place of adoration, just, these are just, I'm just trying to help you. If one of these changes your life this week for a five-minute window, then I did my job. You know, I'm not trying to be clever. I'm trying to be helpful. You can grow in prayer this week by just even taking one of these. Lord, what does it mean, atonement? That just means at one minute. That in prayer this week, how can I grow in unity with you? And then out of that, we acknowledge our needs. How many believe we need God? Just say amen so I can skip. 
that we confess the ways we've leaned on our own understanding. We confess his ways, wisdom, and will are good and beautiful. Then we get to ask. Come on, somebody. We get to ask. Did you know you get to present your request before the Lord because he's good and he's God and he's a cheerful giver? We get to anticipate that he's going to respond to our prayers. We leave empowered. And then the reality that Jesus made available to us is that we can actually abide moment by moment in his love and in his spirit. Where did Jesus get his power from? I believe it's because he never left this posture of prayer. I've tried to make this simple. I know it was like a shotgun. Simple, but I think biblical, compelling argument that there's more for every person in this room in the area of prayer. If you believe there's more, can you say amen? And so I just want to pray right now, Lord, would you mark our hearts? I pray that you would break off heaviness, discouragement, Lord, I want faith, hope, and love moving in this room. He's worthy of trust. We have an unshakable hope no matter what we're facing. And I am inspired to give my life away in loving service to the king and his kingdom this week. God, I pray right now, something as simple as setting an alarm right now or at lunch to wake up a little early tomorrow, to open up our Bible and to spend time with you. Something as simple as that, if done over a lifetime, can change Whole family trees, come on. It can change the whole future of your life, of your marriage, of your business. It changed your life. Lord, we are who we are because of the grace of God. And there is grace and mercy. Hello, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 4, 16. There's grace and mercy to help us in our time of need in the place of prayer. You can bank on it. We find, we receive mercy and we find grace. I just hear your voice saying, Jesus, you're like, just come to me. And don't stop coming to me. I'm never too busy to respond to you responding to my reach. That's what the Lord would say to every person in this room. I want you. I want your attention. I want your affection. And I want you to know I love you. I'm for you. I've got plans and purposes. But I want you to grow. I want you to learn to respond to my reach. And so just if you want a fresh dose of grace to respond this week specifically in one of those A's in prayer, can you just stand on your feet? I want to just pray for an impartation of grace just that you'd receive just a fresh dose. Oh, my goodness, Lord, none of us are that great at prayer. (laughs) But I thank you that right now you're going to give people grace to take a step this week. In fact, just say that with your words. Say, I receive grace. To respond to God and his reach in prayer and in the word this week. I'm not too busy. Oh, come on, say it again. I'm not too busy to give you my time, my attention, my affection, and my heart's allegiance. I receive the grace And the power of the Spirit that I know I need to grow as a person of prayer. So, Lord, I just thank you right now that you're touching hearts, you're provoking faith, you're anchoring us in hope. And I pray that the love of Christ would compel us out to be your people this week in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, our workplace, in your world. Father, the world is dying to see a people who are marked by a different spirit, who walk in a different authority, who walk 
in the love and power of Jesus. And we know, Jesus, you walked in what you walked in because you had a relationship with the Father. And we want to have a relationship with you. And we want to grow in it. We want to give ourselves to growing in relationship so we can enjoy you and so that we can be empowered to partner with you in the everyday stuff of life. So, Lord, bless Radiant Central Coast. May we be radiant this week because our eyes are locked on the radiant one, Jesus Christ, our King and our Lord. And we all said amen and amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week this week. Let's go. Let's grow. There's more for every person in this room. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you want resources, please scan our favorite square.